Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Collinson, worldwide leaders in customer engagement and loyalty. Creating and orchestrating customer engagement and loyalty initiatives and programs for some of the world's biggest brands in travel, retail and financial services. Doing it globally for over 30 years. Want to know more? Go to CollinsonGroup.com. Hello and welcome to episode 345 of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today, we're catching up with our friends in Collinson, and in particular, their perspectives on loyalty in the Asia-Pacific region. My guests are Thomas Dornis, Vice President of Data and Insights, and Rohan Bala, Vice President of Business Solutions, both based in Singapore. As you'll hear today, both Thomas and Rowan are particularly excited about just how passionate customers are to travel again in 2023. And Collinson is doing some fantastic work with their clients in the region to help them tap into that incredibly popular reward to drive customer loyalty. Rowan and Thomas also shared some deep insights on the importance of reward innovation as a key idea for loyalty professionals to be focused on, as well as other key customer engagement strategies that can be used by brands to differentiate themselves in today's increasingly competitive markets. I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Thomas Dornis and Rohan Bala from Collinson in Asia Pacific. So, Rowan and Thomas, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks, Paula. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Not at all. I am delighted that you are on the road, back traveling, super excited. I think you're joining us today from Hong Kong, aren't you? We are. We're both based in Singapore, but today we're in Hong Kong, both of us. Fantastic. Great. I know Collinson does amazing work in Asia Pacific and it's one of my key topics and one of the reasons I'm super excited to talk to you today. And before we get into all of the uh, big ideas that we're going to discuss together, as you know, we always start this show talking about our personal favorite loyalty programs. So, Rod, I might come to you first as a loyalty industry professional working with Collinson. Tell us what is your personal favorite loyalty program? So for me, uh, I think travel programs are really exciting, right? They're, they're always doing things. And within travel, um, I I have personally really enjoyed being a part of the Qantas uh, loyalty program uh, yeah. for the airline out of Australia. Um, I, I just feel they do a really good job from a customer experience point of view. And, and I'll give you an example, right? So um, booking a redemption flight is not the easiest thing. Sure. Um, and and a lot of airlines actually make it hard. So you can't, on a lot of airlines, you can't book a multi-city redemption. You need to book it a single, uh, you know, point to point, yeah. and then you go in again and book again. But on Qantas, it was fantastic. We were booking a one-way flight. Uh, so we were booking a return flight for mm. two of us and an infant. Uh, and we could do all of that within one screen. Right? Oh, so wow. it's just, the customer experience side of it, uh, I, I just feel it makes it 
so much more pleasant. Yeah. Uh, and I know, you know, programs have their ups and downs and, you know, do they give points, not give points, how they manage it. You can't please everybody. But I think just making the experience seamless, uh, yeah. you know, really elevates that program for me. Um, so that that's one of my favorites as a customer. But putting on, you know, professional hat, I think just the way the Qantas program is structured, right? So they've, yeah. they've taken the program out, created its own PNL. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's run at multiple levels, right? You have the traditional program with tiers, you have, you know, paid program with the Qantas club that you can buy into. They're experimenting mm. with sustainability and green tiers. Yeah. Um, so there's lots that's happening in that program uh, continuously. And, and, you know, I like to see that innovation. In fact, when I'm looking for inspiration and ideas, when we're, you know, consulting yeah. and uh, looking at the market, it's always good to go and see, okay, what is Qantas doing now? And then say, okay, you know, maybe there are things we can learn from there. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, a personal favorite of mine. That's amazing. And actually, you know what, Rowan, when I very first, I suppose, started trying to learn more about loyalty, I was already working um, for a loyalty brand in telecommunications. But I remember going to a conference in London and Qantas was exactly the case study. And I'll never forget the MC mentioning that Qantas was making more money selling miles than it does from its international flight sales. And commercially, I was blown away. And I think that's what I kind of fell in love professionally with the loyalty industry. I'm like, oh my God, this stuff works. So totally share that the Qantas does an amazing job, Rowan, both professionally and personally. So thanks for that example. So Thomas, over to you. What are you going to share with us? So, I mean, I'll stay in the travel space. Uh, I think my personal program uh, is Marriott Bonvoy. And okay. I think kind of two reasons. One, from a personal perspective, you know, I've been a member for over 20 years. I'm a lifetime Titanium member. I think wow. I've spent somewhere like seven or eight years of my life in Marriott properties. So oh my God. <laughs> uh, I have known them very well and being a road warrior for over two decades and, and basically traveling 100% of the time. Yeah. Uh, that's been my my second home. And it's just, you know, a very rewarding program. I've had many experiences uh, in terms of traveling to destination that I probably would have never had a chance to to visit. Yeah. It was for hotel points and being able to redeem trips and some some really interesting experience so really mm. been a great experience for me personally and i think yeah. it, it's shown to me how valuable a loyalty program can be and and, and how you can engage you can come with a brand um, yeah. if it's really personal and, and meaningful to you right um, yeah. from a professional perspective you know i think it's also you know it's a program that's really well executed right one it's a yeah. huge scope i think they have over 3800 properties now 30 brands everything from super luxury uh, yeah. the, the st regis and the uh, you know ritz carlton's of the world to kit uh, tailoring towards backpackers with with some of their new brands that they have right yeah uh, they do a lot of partnerships whether that's with financial services companies around credit cards partnership with, with airlines they just launched Singapore Airlines about a week ago uh they you know Marriott now has a cruise line with the Ritz Carlton cruises uh and then you know a lot of partnerships around retail and other things and you know some really interesting experience that you can't buy with money such as yeah. you know I've attended a, a movie pre premiere in, in Los Angeles before or just wow. like a, a merit moment where you can uh, visit your favorite soccer team or have you know backstage access to a concert so just you know 
there's yeah. something in there for for everyone and i think it's a you know great way of showing how you can grow a loyalty program beyond just the hotel brand but you know what's mm. going on outside of your hotel and how yeah. you provide an experience that's integrated with partners and caters mm. to the whole whole traveling journey and i think they do yeah. that really well and there's a lot of leading practices what we recommend to our clients that i've seen marriott already tackle and, and do really really well yeah, that's incredible, Thomas. Um, I'm not sure I'll ever make it to titanium tier in any program. So it's love to hear, lovely to hear the uh, the reflected experience. And I think what I'm hearing coming through is, you know, it isn't the the points and 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 just getting you know free hotel nights. And I totally agree. The execution of Marriott Bonvoy has been absolutely extraordinary. Like if I could actually like wave a magic wand, I'd love to just know the marketing budget that's gone into it. Because to me, Marriott is a brand that is investing in what matters for people, but also investing in building the brand. So there's pretty much every frequent flyer. And like you, the road warriors, there's nobody that has missed the Marriott Bonvoy execution. So, you know, there's every reason to join, every reason to engage. And with those kind of experiences coming through to engage you, uh, I think it's a brilliant example, Thomas. So, so maybe tell us a bit about the road warrior stuff. Um, you know, what kind of work have you been doing um, in your career in order to uh, to get this incredible um, lifestyle and career with uh, this titanium status? So I've pretty much spent all of my career in consulting. So out of graduate school, I, I joined the big four and have spent over 20 years uh, working in consulting, uh, primarily in the data space, um, you know, working with uh, companies to really enhance yeah. their uh, marketing, sales and customer service. And mm -hmm. almost all of my work has been around customer data and leveraging that to improve customer experience, operations, and just yeah. make company more effective. And, uh, you know, if I look at back at all the clients and all the industry that work with uh, travel and loyalty were always the projects that were most exciting. And that's how okay. I ended up in Collins. And because now I can do this 100% of the time and <laughs> it's just the, the most exciting and, and fun work uh, yeah. personally and, and, and professionally. And, and, and that's why, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm really caught myself very fortunate to be focusing on this 100% now. For sure. And, and you know, yeah. through that and consulting, you know, we were on the road 100% of the time. It's I think it's shifted a bit with with mm. COVID and, and people realize that we can do a lot more remotely and we don't yeah. have to be on the road 50 weeks of the time, which is fine with me as well. Uh, yeah. But it's still nice to to be in front of clients and, 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 and visit um, yeah. the people that we're working with. For sure. And I do think capturing data and leveraging data are two very different things, Thomas. So we'll be definitely excited to hear exactly how you're doing that uh, for Collins and clients. Mm -hmm. So Rowan, tell us a bit about your uh, career and life with loyalty. Uh, so, yeah, my, my experience has been uh, primarily around driving customer engagement from a retention marketing perspective and mm -hmm. loyalty has been a heavy part of that. So uh, spent most of my career on the agency side, um, working nice. across different marketing brand agencies, uh, building CRM propositions, uh, working around loyalty design uh, and, and, you know, taking that to market. It's, it's been mostly in the, in, in APAC. I haven't been on the road as much as Thomas. I don't hold status in, in <laughs> I think yeah. any program uh, okay. uh, really, but, uh, but yeah, working across, you know, Australia, Singapore, India, uh, these are three markets that have been based in over the last probably, you know, 15 plus years. Amazing. Um, and yeah. yeah, and then that's that's been uh, the background. 
Yeah, wonderful. And yeah, I suppose when we think about uh, global populations and where travel is, I guess, exploding, um, Asia Pacific, particularly with China reopening, I mean, it's just extraordinary. I think this moment in time, particularly, obviously, early 2023, for me, the single most important thing and the most exciting is that we're we're coming out now, um, obviously, really properly, I think, fully out of the, the other side of the pandemic. And I know you guys have some amazing insights insights in terms of consumer interest in returning to travel um, relative to what it might have been before the last you know, few years where we've been dealing with um, such dramatic industry issues um, and I guess just you know, economic and, and all sorts of issues as well, of course. So let's get into talking about the return to travel. Um, Thomas, from your side, perhaps you'd give us some perspective. I know there was a travel sentiment survey done by Collinson, um, which is absolutely fascinating. And again, I think I said to you off air, I've been busy planning my own travel for the year because I'm totally addicted to being on the road personally and professionally. So what are you hearing from consumers and what's the data showing you? So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think it's uh travel is really high on the priority for for a lot of the consumers that we're interacting with like when we did surveys i think 80 percent of, of consumers said travel is ranking really highly that's mm-hmm. what they want to do going forward sure. uh, you know even with the economic downturn and uncertainty that we're seeing right now when people are being asked where are they cutting back they would rather reduce uh, other spending like restaurants or shopping but mm-hmm. you know travel is, is very high on the list and, and people want to kind of make up for for lost times and you know there's uh some of our colleagues have been locked up in the same location for three years and, and people want to go out and, yeah. and do experiences. So, you know, yeah. again, a lot of people want to travel. They rank it really high. That's the spending that they want to protect most. Right? Yeah. And then I think also from a loyalty perspective, we're seeing like if we're asking what people are interested in, whether it's it's products or services, again, mm. travel ranks really, really high in terms of uh, yeah. that's what people want to see in, in loyalty programs. I said top rewards uh, that they want to, you know, basically produce. Yeah. And what I actually really love, and, and maybe Rowan, you can touch on this piece. You know, there are so many people listening to this show who don't work in travel loyalty. They work in banks and they work in telecoms and they work in lots of different industries. But what I think Collinson has done really well is make travel rewards accessible to loyalty brands and propositions across all of those sectors. So I think you have a unique opportunity to bring that appeal that we talked about in terms of what customers actually want and make it a a possibility for any loyalty program through partnerships and all of the various different ways of working. So I'd love you just to talk about how other brands that are not travel can start to leverage that customer appetite for getting back out around the world. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think, uh, so Thomas did touch upon it. So travel experiences and travel benefits are always perceived as the highest value. Totally. So, uh, you know, when yeah. when someone receives, you know, something related to travel, you get so excited. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, even the, the actual cost of doing that may not be that high for, you know, the brand that's giving out the benefit, but the perceived value of that is significant from a customer perspective. So it just makes it that much more exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at Collinson, we've been, uh, you know, working 
to really build out a travel experience and ecosystem that comprises of all the different aspects uh, that a customer would go through from a travel journey. So, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, about uh, getting to the airport uh, and, you know, making your way through the airport uh, faster through a fast track or, you know, waiting in the comfort of a lounge rather than, um, you know, having to to stand in, in lines for food and so on. So just making the airport journey and the entire experience more comfortable is something that we've been focused on at Collinson. Mm-hmm. Um, and when this is packaged up as a loyalty benefit that yeah. you add to your program, be it, you know, a credit card, be it, uh, you know, uh, a hotel that, you know, you get a booking uh, and you know now, you know, customers going to be arriving on such and such date. Um, yeah. You know, do you if you know where they're traveling from, you can immediately start their entire hotel experience even before they leave the house. Right. Yeah. And and empowering all of that is something that we're really focused on doing from Collinson. So so getting those travel experiences together, packaging it, uh, providing it as, you know, loyalty benefits uh, that mm-hmm. enhance the program value. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other side of it is how it gets distributed. So, you know, you can have, you know, the titanium members that already have access to a lot of these uh, benefits, but then you also have those that have potential and lifetime value that you want to target, right? So they may not yet be in your titanium, but can totally. you start engaging them early? Can you start, you know, getting them into your ecosystem through some of these things, um, yeah. which is where, how we position these benefits, how we model it out, working with our partners becomes really crucial because yeah. that allows us to make sure, you know, they're in line with the future opportunity from uh, from those customers. So Good so there's, there's a yeah. couple of yeah. things that we they work on from a Collinson perspective. Yeah. Um, and pretty uniquely as well, Rowan, you know, certainly, you know, from my many years um, working in loyalty, that there's probably not many propositions available to loyalty professionals in the same way that you guys do it. And again, my background is telecommunications. Um, so that was probably a sector where we didn't realize maybe the power and the importance of having a travel rewards proposition. So exciting times. And you guys are obviously continuing to grow and uh, invest further in doing more and more of that in the future. So I suppose I wanted to then also understand what other trends are you seeing? You know, we talk so much here about, you know, all the big sexy topics, whether it's Web 3.0 or the metaverse, AI, machine learning. So from a Collinson perspective, maybe Thomas, you would tell me what are your kind of thoughts in terms of what are the trends that loyalty professionals need to be thinking about, particularly in the context of, you know, 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that really stands out to me is kind of the how do we enable the ecosystem, right? And we've touched on that in terms of uh, going beyond just your brand, right? Your, your telecommunications provider, but you can think about other things that you can provide. So it's really to me about the partnerships and, you know, figuring out ways to share data, right? Because if we look at Collinson, we don't control the entire travel journey. We know when you're in the airport, we're okay. operating lounges and in, we know when you're in an airport lounge, right? But we need to partner with, um, with airports, with transportation companies, with other service providers to being able to manage that day of journey end to end, right? So mm. how do we how do we share data, right? Once I know you're in the lounge, and once I know where you're traveling because I scanned your boarding pass, I now can able, enable a number of travel experiences in the airport. If you're transferring somewhere and you have a long layover, maybe I can make a recommendation on what you could do at that destination, right? Mm-hmm. And I need to be able to do that with my my partners that I have, whether it's, you know, airport alternatives like food and beverages that we're partnering with. It could be, you know, sleeping pots, airport hotels uh, that are in our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So how do I share that data to really understand you know, 
what's going to potentially happen to this customer or vice versa, you know, going back to the telecom uh, example that you just mentioned, uh, once I call in and I sign up for the international plan because I'm going to Europe, I mm. now know you're traveling to Europe. This may be something that you want to share with a partner. Now you can enable a journey to say, you know, as a telecom provider, there's other services that we have uh, now that I know that you're traveling to Europe. Maybe there's mm. some discounts or special products and services that I can offer. So yeah. kind of how do we enable that data sharing? You know, if we combine the data from multiple providers together, we have a much better understanding of the customer and yeah. that enables that next level of customer experience that mm -hmm. I cannot do within my company. And, um, mm. you know, in, in one of my previous roles, uh, we did a survey and we found that companies that do share data between partners, mm -hmm. um, you know, they typically three or four times as profitable on the investments that they make, uh, wow. you know, with data. Okay. And just for people not familiar with that concept, Tom, Thomas, I think the key is obviously that data is anonymized. Um, yeah. All of the GDP or global legislation, of course, has to be respected. Um, but there are ways, I guess, as tech gets more sophisticated to be able to create that data sharing to enable, as you said, the personalization, total customer engagement across lots of different areas and different merchants, I guess, who without having to say it's Paula Thomas, for example, that yeah. actually needs this particular idea or, or opportunity. Am I right? Yes, there's a, you know technical uh, abilities to do that. Whether it's the clean room technologies to share data, what mm. you mentioned in terms of anonymizing it, and then it's mm -hmm. also you know oftentimes just getting the permission of the the customer, right? If I want to enable a yeah. service like a, a, a meet and greet at the airport, obviously I need to tell uh, the person meeting you who you are and when you're arriving. So at mm. this point, I'm sharing customer data. But if you're giving me permission to do that, and I sh I share with the uh, customer what data is being shared why it's being shared, when it's being shared, and I get the permission to do that and mm. do that within the data privacy frameworks, whether it's uh, yeah. you know, GDPR in Europe, there's one in the US, there's I think 15 in Asia that we need to be aware of, right? I'm but sure. as long as we, you know, uh, it, it, is, it is all possible. And really, it's to me, it's mostly about getting the consent, consent of the customer themselves and then, yeah. you know, yeah. making sure that they understand how data is being used, right? And today, I think we're all sharing more data about ourselves than we ever did, right? Yeah. It's just giving, giving control to the customer, right? And, totally. and, and, yeah. uh, uh, and enabling them to say, this is how I want my data to be used, right? And as long as we do do it, that, I think there's a lot of opportunity in this space. Yeah, certainly my experience is that I actually do want the benefits. I yeah. want the cross-sell. I want the upsell. So I am happy for that data to be to be captured, uh, yeah. but only if it is actually going to be used in a way that I kind of feel it. So I do think to our point earlier, it's one thing to capture the data, another thing to leverage it in a way that's meaningful. And you quoted some incredible statistics there, Thomas, in terms of the commercial opportunity, but I think individually as consumers as well. I think we're pretty savvy now in terms of the value of our data. And when we give it over, I think that sets an expectation then of what that brand can do and therefore should do. So I think it brings probably more pressure again for loyalty professionals listening to the show, more challenges to make our loyalty programs even more compelling. So Rowan, I wanted to ask your thoughts, I suppose, from all of the kind of clients that you're dealing with. What would you say that loyalty professionals 
schools are are being faced with in terms of challenges as uh, as we get into uh, this year's season? Yeah, I think um, a key challenge that people face right now is differentiation, um, and and we all hear the term bland loyalty, right? Oh yes, um, <laughs> and, and and you know we're all part of. 10s and 12 and 15 loyalty programs and you have all these cards, but what's yeah. really the differentiation and how do you drive that? And um, so I think that that is a key challenge. How are marketers cognizant about that? I think so. I, I think people realize that we'd done yeah. a survey of uh, marketers across the APAC region um, recently. And and one of the, uh, I think the highest rated thing that they said that they want to change in their program was drive reward innovation. Okay. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And so I think, people are cognizant of that. What does that mean, right? So yeah. um, typically we've had point programs, uh, discounts, uh, you know, things like that, which is the typical transactional rewards, which which is still going to be there and it's going to stay. But I think what we're seeing is there's a move towards more emotional, uh, experiential engagements that brands give out, um, mm. which which have a stronger linkage with, uh, with customer sentiment and loyalty. Um, yeah. So I think it's getting the balance right between what is transactional uh, that that we want to give out, and where do we drive more emotional engagement with the with the program and with the rewards that you get? Um, so, so I think that is one thing we're seeing more and more of. Um, it does yeah. fit in well with what we do from travel experiences perspective, yeah. um, but. But there is there's a lot more uh, that brands are trying, right? We we think talking about, uh, you know, one-off uh, money can't buy experiences and events that you create. Mm. Um, you know, you hear of brands going into the metaverse and you know yeah. creating these lounges and spaces. And you know, if you could meet uh, Roger Federer in the metaverse lounge of the Mandarin Oriental Hotel, um, you know that that's an experience you can't get anywhere else. And uh, you know, it, to get into that, you need you know a certain kind of an NFT which yeah. is exclusive to the hotel. Can you sell that NFT? I mean. The, the ideas just explode, right? Yeah. Um, but but I think we're, we're finding that reward innovation is is going to be something that brands are going to constantly look at. Um, yeah. How how innovative we go, how how much we adapt, use technology uh, mm. to do some of those things. Uh, where do we use you know real world uh, spaces and experiences and blend that with digital? Um, mm. we, we'll see more and more of that happening. Um, yeah. I like that absolutely, Rowan, because I think what a lot of loyalty professionals are facing is, of course, the ongoing internal justification and proving that their loyalty programs are driving value for the organization. And as you kind of mentioned, there are so many programs, you know, I think I'm a member of 16 different programs last time I checked. And I know that's actually an industry average, certainly in the US. But, you know, the ones that I actively engage with are are few and far between. So I, I do think there's this very big problem in our industry of saturation, but almost lower quality. So there are so many programs that have the kind of same kind of points and redemption uh, solution, as you said. So how do you actually cut through? Like, I think every loyalty professional who listens to this show wants to have the most compelling, the most exciting rewards. And they totally get that as individuals, they know what makes a difference, but it's actually quite difficult to be that innovative. I think technology is giving us the opportunity to kind of do that. Um, and that's certainly something I know, you know, we, we always talk about what can we do with other technologies, what we can do with the likes of Alexas and all of these kind of like fun ideas. But on a kind of practical basis, I think 
the mindset is probably something that for me is something we as loyalty professionals probably need to be talking more about, maybe with senior management in terms of kind of almost flipping the focus from, you know, the commercial KPIs and what we expect from our members, but almost being loyal to them, as you said, giving them super exciting rewards to basically go, oh my God, these people are going to be so loyal to us because they're genuinely excited. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I think I think brands that can show loyalty back uh, are, are the ones that will have the biggest loyalty opportunity in the future. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, totally on board. Um, the other interesting thing that you touched upon was the commercial opportunity. And um, I, I don't know if you're also seeing this, Paula, but we're finding that loyalty is moving out from being, you know, a silo within marketing to something that's starting to be owned more by the chief commercial officers within mm-hmm. organizations, which means it's now starting to become more fundamental to every aspect of the organization and not just, you know, one department that was running it. Um, and I think that that is a very interesting change because it it starts then coming into the organizational DNA rather mm. than, you know, just being run from one place. And that's that's really when true loyalty can start to build between organizations and brands, uh, sorry, brands and their customers. Yeah, I think definitely, Ron, my, you know, what I'm hearing from from people we talk to on the show is that the loyalty uh, focus has gone up the next level. So it has become a C-suite agenda item, perhaps because of the the crisis of the pandemic. So I think there's increased respect uh, for loyalty marketing professionals and for the importance of retention and hopefully for the investment in what's required to deliver it. Because I think what I'm seeing is there are so many technologies out there, but, you know, again, there's so many competing priorities within brands. So, you know, for for customers to expect and, you know, basically be saying in all of the research, yes, I want a closer relationship with you. But then on the flip side, the loyalty professionals might not be able to deliver on that. Do you think there's an issue in terms of the investment matching expectations from consumers? Definitely. I think I think customer expectations are high, right? And um, if anything, post-pandemic, they're, they're even higher. We've been so uh, used to a digital world where, you know, the click of a button, uh, your groceries get delivered. Within two hours, you know, you have, uh, you know, clothes and you're shopping and whatever you need is at your doorstep. Um, and and brands that are leading this charge, the likes of Amazon and, and, and such, uh, are the ones that are setting the expectations. Now, whether or not you compete with them directly, those expectations are there and they're across the board. Mm. Um, and I think with that expectation, what we're finding is the reality doesn't live up to that hype. So a lot of brands are still struggling with how do we how do we deliver that similar expectation, right? Going back to my customer experience example with Qantas, right? These are simple things that brands need to get right uh, from a customer expectation experience perspective. But um, it there, there is a, a maturity uh, path that they need to go through to get there. And yeah. what we're finding is is um, it, it is slow uh, mm. and, and it takes time. Yeah. Um, but but brands are cognizant of that. Uh, on the same survey that I was talking to you about that we'd run in APAC, the number one answer was reward innovation on what you want to change in your loyalty program. Mm. The second was technical innovation. So okay. I think these are the cool. top two things that people realize uh, yeah. and they're working towards uh, as, as uh, you know, brand professionals. 
Amazing. And again, I'm sure it's not unique to APAC. I'm pretty sure that that is a global requirement and expectation. As you said, consumers are getting ever more demanding and we really do want these brands to, to step up. I guess with that in mind, Thomas, and your kind of data brain and your focus and perspective, I wanted to ask you about KPIs because I think it's something that really does, um, I suppose, drive the direction, whether it's investment, you know, or whether whatever the focus is for the loyalty professionals. Um, the KPIs, of course, at a senior level is what's going to drive um, the, the loyalty expectations and the outcome. So tell us a bit about what does success look like in your experience? experience from, you know, what does Collinson advise in terms of measurement? I mean, I think it's really identifying like what what is the burning platform in the business, right? And what is the, the specific challenge that, that I'm trying to solve, right? I'm always looking for what what is the, you know, the top of mind topic of the executives, right? And sometimes when we go into the organization and do interviews with, with the leadership team, we ask them, you know, what are two or three things that keep you up at night, right? And nice. very quickly, there's two or three items that, that pop up across the organization. If we can identify KPIs that mm. measure progress against that, right? So for instance, we've had several conversations this week around reactivation, right? People have not been traveling, for instance, now that uh, China is opening up, Hong Kong is opening up, people can be on the airplane again. How do we re-engage with customers that perhaps haven't engaged with my brand for the last three years? And how do we measure that, right? So if we can see if that's our the mm. business goal that we're striving towards, how do we measure that in terms of whether mm. customers are spending, whether customers are engaging with my marketing and email communications, for instance, right? And then identifying, mm. you know, how do we measure it? And then how do we, you know, whatever testing or experimentation that we're doing, how yeah. do we, you know, can show progression against the the, the goal of reactivation, for instance. So that's yeah. how we typically approach it. I don't think there's not like a, you know, silver bullet. Here's the, the KPI that works for every organization. But yeah. it's just, as long as we can identify, you know, what business outcomes are we striving for? And I always say what gets measured gets done, right? So if we can identify a few yeah. measurements against each topics and, yeah. and make that front and center in terms of our driving outcome on these measurements, that, that's mm. typically helpful. Yeah. And actually, you reminded me when we had uh, Dan Contorna on the, yeah. the show as well uh, recently. And what I liked, what he was talking about was this idea that it's not just like the quantity of, of members in your program. We all love our big numbers and to show growth of the program overall. But I do think that quality of membership is something that is perhaps forgotten in the rush to, yeah. you know, again, present, you know, big numbers back to the team. So I think think that quality focus and making sure that people are actually, I suppose, being focused on as consumers across all segments. Um, one of the things I'm hearing from a lot of loyalty professionals is there might be just that focus on the titanium members. So, you know, you might have a great experience as Thomas, but what about the, the upcoming tier? So I'd love to hear maybe just a thought or two, Thomas, in terms of, you know, where should loyalty professionals really be focusing in terms terms of all of those different tiers and the opportunity, I guess, for them um, within their loyalty program. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think we see this with many clients that obviously the, the top customers, the ones that have the status drive a lot of the revenue. And obviously you want to keep them happy and, and make sure that they're engaged, right? And yeah. that they continue to come back, right? But oftentimes there's, you know, kind of that next level, you know, mm-hmm. can we increase the number of top members? Because, you know, I'm offering additional experience. I'm offering additional partnerships that create more earning opportunities or way, more ways to be engaged. So so how do we grow that pie um, is uh, very often area where we focus but then it's not just the current membership right and we're always really good about looking backwards and saying who spent a lot of money with us right but uh, yeah. it could be what what is the next set of members right i i mm. might be early on my, my career uh maybe i'm not traveling as much yet right but can i identify who's going to be the traveler in, in in one or two years that that's going to migrate into those top segments right yeah. uh, who's going to have the, the the spending power in the future um mm. Is, is there predictors? Can I identify, you know, the, the top members today? Yeah. What was unique about them two or three years ago to really cater to to the members that have the future lifetime value, right? Yeah. Um, that's typically what I'd like to focus on and see, you know, you know, what are the data elements that help me predict that? Yeah, you've reminded me actually of a great uh, learning that I had, a big light bulb moment actually. And I worked with British Airways many years ago and we had a whole conversation, I remember, and a full presentation about what they were calling the rocket blues. And this is exactly, I suppose, the kind of thing you you find, you know, as, as a data person. So, you know, everybody joins a loyalty program, obviously, at the base tier. And the blue members, we're all being treated the same for a very long time. But then there was some analysis done around, well, the speed of earning for a certain cohort showed a dramatic behavior change. So maybe somebody got a new job. So they've joined the British Airways loyalty program and immediately they start earning very, very very quickly. So why would you treat them the same way as somebody like me as a leisure traveler who was traveling as a blue member once a year? So I think you're absolutely right. And there's a lot of insights and data that we need to make sure that we're looking to the future instead of to the past. So really nice insight on that one, Thomas. Thank you for that. And uh, Rowan, from your side on the KPIs, what do you, I suppose, love talking about in terms of advising your clients uh, what success might look like for their loyalty program? In terms of KPIs, um, the key driver of loyalty is is that you want to change or influence certain behaviors. And what's important is, as a business, you need to understand what are those key behaviors that you want to drive and Mm -hmm. where do you want to take them? So, you know, typically there are frequency KPIs that that you look at in terms of, you know, visits and orders and and the volume side of things. So, you know, are you able to increase those based on on, on what you're doing with loyalty. Um, the other side of it is the more value-based KPIs, which is in terms of, you know, average order values, the, um, you know, average um, daily rate when it comes to hotels, you know. So are mm. you able to influence those value-based metrics uh, through loyalty? Mm. Um, and I think um, these are two of the things that clients really look at when when they're looking at their loyalty. The other is, uh, you know, from a from a data side of things, are you getting uh, the acquisition rates and retention rates within the program that you're that you're striving to achieve from a member engagement perspective? Mm. Um, right. So that keeps you know in terms of the program churning, uh, is that working? And then the last 
part from a structural side is just in terms of how well is the program performing. So things like breakage rates and churn rates are used to look at, you know, if I put a redemption offer out there, how many people are actually picking up on that, uh, mm. you know, and, and how engaged are they with the overall program? So, so mm. you know, we look at it from maybe three dimensions, which is, you know, what is the volume-based aspects, uh, which is frequency-driven? What are the value-based aspects uh, that drive business value? And then what are the program structural aspects in terms of, you know, uh, Mm. churn, in terms of uh, breakage and and so on? So we we usually usually come at that with a KPI framework with the clients, but then from there, it starts becoming very, very specific to, you know, what is what is that one use case that you really want to activate, right? What would success look like if you had 10% mm. more attention, right? Yeah. Is that is that a number you'd like to hit? Then then you start working towards how do we achieve that? Yeah. Um, so, so I think loyalty has to be about behaviors and how you drive those, but then yeah. it has to be very, very specific to certain business KPIs that you want to lock it, lock it in with. Yeah. And, and what I was thinking as you were saying that as well, Rowan, is, you know, there are the, the hard measurements, of course, that are top and center and absolutely, as you said, whether it's quality or quantity. But I also love the fact because you guys are predominantly in, I suppose, travel rewards and travel loyalty, I think there's a big opportunity for the loyalty program owners themselves to, to try and measure that. Whereas, you know, fully acknowledging that those are kind of soft benefits and feelings of loyalty, um, extremely difficult to measure. But I don't think we can underestimate the value of what has happened for a, a customer that's had the full experience close to the loop. They've had that beautiful engagement opportunity. They've had the redemption. They've used the lounge. And, you know, then to measure how loyal are they to the brand as a result of that, you know, particularly competitive reward. So I'm sure you're encouraging all of your clients as well to do their own kind of qualitative research almost just to get a sense of how to put a value on what happens when people have been through the full cycle of the program. Absolutely. I think uh, I think the the softer measures are equally important. Uh, and yeah. and and always getting in front of customers is is key. So yes, we do encourage you know clients to be talking to customers, um, testing things out with loyalty, right? You have so much opportunity that you get by just talking to, you know, a group of customers about, you know, potential opportunities and rewards and just testing things, working through those is is very important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we're constantly advising uh, our clients to do that. We, we do a lot of research ourselves to see what the sentiment is like, sure. uh, both in terms of, you know, qualitative, but uh, e- yeah. even some of the most softer aspects of, you know, loyalty and, and does being a part of loyalty influence uh, certain behaviors does it influence your travel behavior does it influence your spending behavior because you're a part of you know yeah. loyalty for a certain program so uh, that that's definitely something we do yeah i think what we're all experiencing is that we are totally overloaded in terms of content in terms of competition for our attention so yeah getting front of customers and members at any particular time and being able to connect to them in a meaningful way i guess there's um increasing need to make sure that we do that in a compelling way so super exciting insights The other piece I wanted to ask both of you was around where you get your inspiration from. You know, again, listening to this show, we have lots of people who are continually looking to to be educated, to be inspired and to look for, I suppose, innovative new ideas. So given you guys, first of all, have access to incredible clients, again, particularly in Asia Pacific, tell us a bit about where do you get your loyalty insights from uh, on a day to day basis? 
let's talk loyalty. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. That was very sweet. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's, it's true. I mean, I mean, you have a great, uh, great list of uh, you know speakers that come on to this program. It's always it's always good to learn from others, and I think case studies are are probably the best way to get insights when you yeah. read about what others are doing or or learn about what others are doing and. And, and I think, I mean, the internet has lots and lots of those resources there, uh, you know, which give us that. Um, one of the things we actively do is first party research. Um, so we run a lot of our own research and, and we do that quite periodically. So, uh, you know, we yeah. have about two or three researches that we do annually mm-hmm. um, where we're looking at, you know, from a B2B perspective, what is the sentiment? What are uh, what are businesses thinking when they think about loyalty, travel and experiences? Um, we run we run the same on the customer side to see where is the customer sentiment going and, you know, how does that tie in with the B2B, uh, with the business sen- uh, side of things? Um, yeah. So there's a lot of first party research that we do um, mm-hmm. around this. Um, and, and then um, we we. Uh, you know, of course, have you know all our colleagues and and people across across the world who have a lot mm. of depth of experience and and different brands that we're working on. So we're constantly leveraging yeah. off one another as we as we go into you know opportunities as we we're building something uh, you know for for a airline or for a hotel and then you know we mm. have uh, similar cases that we're doing. So uh, yeah. you know, there's just a lot of sharing across that. Fantastic. Yeah. And the one I particularly want to go and certainly read in more detail, Rowan, is that Collinson Traveller Sentiment Survey that uh, we talked a bit about earlier. So I'm going to make sure to link to that in the show notes so people can go and get direct access to to getting an understanding of uh, exactly what you said, what customers are saying. And Thomas, from your perspective as a loyalty professional, where are you listening or learning from? No, I mean, to me, I think it's really like looking at case studies and, and like specifically identifying use cases that deliver value. Right? Okay. I'm, I'm a big believer in, in doing a lot of experimentation and trying. Uh, fail fast works really well, right? Okay, uh, cool. So, so yeah. you know, what are snippets on where people uh, leverage certain pieces of data and showed some progress, right? And if mm-hmm. you do that uh, over and over again and you've done... 20 or 30 use cases that allows you over time to build the capability and the maturity around your data ecosystem around the technology right because there's so much going on there's so many vendors things are moving so fast and it's constantly accelerating it's it's really hard to cut through all of that right but if you have good examples in your own industry and other industries and and you can replicate that and Mm -hmm. you can try out different things and show incremental value by delivering use cases and just making the customer experience a little bit better or solving small problems in the organization over time that builds the capability and then it gives you the expertise and the the confidence to then say what are Mm -hmm. the right technologies what vendors work well for me where should I you know invest in in my company and Mm -hmm. then over time that that really drives results and that's how we also try to approach it with our clients in terms of identifying what are some quick wins that we can identify quickly deliver Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. success breeds success and we build on on top of that absolutely and i remember last time we spoke as well thomas you gave me an amazing statistic that uh, you guys are essentially supporting 500 million consumer interactions on a daily basis so when it comes to data you've got it at scale so uh, that's where insights come from is actually looking at as we said profitable behavior change and what people are actually doing day to day so um superb insights so you guys have amazing access to it so thank you for sharing it 
Um, my final question then is, I've asked all of the, the kind of detailed ones I wanted to get into, but are there any other, I suppose, closing comments that you guys wanted to share with our global audience before we wrap up? From from my perspective, I think um, I think this is a very exciting time to be in loyalty. Um, uh, you know, like you mentioned, I think the focus has shifted quite significantly on retention. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I used to work uh, as as part of the loyalty work I did. I was uh, in a in an advertising and media agency, and uh, you know there was so much money that used to go into acquisition. And then we've seen that shift that that acquisition budget, the uh, programmatic spending budgets. Uh, starting to shrink, getting more focused with a lot of that money moving into being more retention oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a really exciting time uh, yeah. to be in this industry. We're going to see a lot more innovation coming out of brands as they do loyalty, as they bring, you know, as, as they blend the digital and, and the real world with what they're trying to do. And I think that's a really exciting space. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, yeah. what brands are doing with, 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 uh, you know, Web3 technologies, right? I, I'm really excited to see how crypto plays a role in loyalty. There, there are so many little yeah. use cases happening out there that it's always fun uh, to just keep watching, reading, and, uh, yeah. you know, seeing where that goes. So, so it's an exciting time. It's an it's exciting direction uh, mm-hmm. and lots of activity would be happening in this space. Absolutely. And I think we all know the cookies are disappearing as well. So absolutely, like we just can't rely on acquiring new customers. They're just not going to be there to acquire. So you're absolutely right. The budget has to focus on on retention. So thank you for that. And Thomas, from your perspective, any closing words of wisdom? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's really, I mean, a a lot of times for me, loyalty is enabling us to collect the data about customers, right? With all the restrictions coming in place, first data, uh, first party data is becoming a lot more important, right? And the loyalty program is the perfect platform to collect that, Mm. right? And if we do a good job doing that and design the program properly, we're going to get the type of data that allows us to really provide that digital experience, provide that personalized experience that customers are craving for, right? And that's what's going to allow us to set us apart uh, compared to competitors, right? And we we talked earlier, cutting through all the loyalty program and getting that attention, right? The more personalized you can make it, the more relevant you can make your content because you know your customer really well, yeah. the more successful we're going to be, right? And so it's it's very critical to to collect as much data as we can about the customer, collect the right data, yeah. be really intentional about how we design the loyalty program so mm-hmm. we have the understanding of the customer to create this great experience to have these rewards that really get people excited, you know, to create the customer experience that Mm. that people now expect with, you know, digital acceleration uh, that we've seen, especially to COVID. So that's kind of like where where my focus is. And I think there's a lot of opportunity uh, for constant and for our clients. Totally. Yeah. And I know you guys use the term bland loyalty and Mm -hmm. certainly something we're all very aware of and very keen to make sure that we do find these super exciting, as we said, very relevant and um, incredible rewards that we're all super inspired by and drive our businesses through. So listen, guys, I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope we can continue and look forward to seeing how Collinson grows um, in the months and years ahead. So I want to say Rohan Bala and Thomas Dornas, thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks, Paula. Thank you very much for having us. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified 
over 500 executives in 38 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.